Pick up your paintbrush or your decks. It's time for Hobby Support Group. Good morning, Andy, and hello, Zach, and hello, listeners. Today, we are, have a special guest, Zach from America. Thank you for joining us at some ungodly hour of a Monday morning, your time. It's quite pleasant bank holiday Monday here for me and Andy. And today, we are talking Keyforge with one of the stars of the online Keyforge world, Zach Armstrong. Would you like to introduce yourself, Zach? Hi. Yeah, I'm, I'm Zach Armstrong, and that's a, an awfully generous uh, <laughs> introduction. Um, I mean, you, you are you are the Justin Timberlake of uh, Keyforge <laughs> podcasting. I've I've been called a few things. There's a few <laughs> names and memes floating around the Keyforge internet sphere uh, for me, uh, but just the just Justin Timberlake of Keyforge is is not one of them. Is not one of them. So we'll we'll have to see if that sticks, and I'll give you credit if it does. <laughs> I want t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! There's already I already have a T-shirt idea for another one of my another one of my Keyforge nicknames. So we'll see we'll see how how much of a life that has. Uh, but if you've uh, played Keyforge enough to to need to Google Keyforge podcast, you might have seen Call of Discovery, which I was on for three years. Uh, we we sunsetted that. We sunsetted that uh, back in January um, after Ed and I just just talked about it. We 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 put that to bed, and now with uh, Keyforge excitement ramping up again, I'm um, uh, doing my own show, Keyforge Public Radio, kind of focusing focusing a bit more on strategy and 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 news here and there. Um, all with all with my without losing any of my any of my uh, uh, whimsy <laughs> or or uh, occasional silliness. So, yeah, yeah. So that's who I am. I just want to say thank you for Cord Discovery. It was a fantastic show. I listened to it for for, well, for years, I guess. Um, yeah. And it really helped me when I was getting into um, to Keyforge. So I'd recommend anyone out there who's thinking about getting into Keyforge to go and listen to those old shows because they're just oh, entertaining, yeah. just good fun. Oh yeah, it's still still a fantastic show to to go back and listen to, and will will always be. It'll always be. Yeah, it was a, it was a good run. It was a good run. Very proud of it. So for those of our listeners who don't know what Keyforge is and I don't know what excuse they've got because it's something that me and Andy talk about a lot. <laughs> um, how would you sort of try and sell? What would you say is like the elevator pitch for Keyforge if you're trying to engage someone new in it, Zach? Oh man! So it, it the elevator pitch of Keyforge always depends on how much the person knows about card games. Um, if if they're just familiar with deck builders. Right, and the fact that there are like little tournaments here and there for deck builders, I'll say. So you don't have to build your deck. You just buy a deck. It's locked in, and you can just you can just play it. Um, you know, some decks are are better, some decks are worse, but half the joy, at least for me. Now, of course, I, I do I do if I'm at a competition. You know, I want to take it seriously. I'll try to bring the best thing I can. But for me, half the fun, and just a normal everyday playing Keyforge situation is winning with uh, something that's a bit more janky, something that's a little uh, uh, not not quite as competitively refined as, you know, something I might take to a tournament. And that's half the fun to just figure out what is this doing? Uh, where is it going? How how can I how can I make this situation work? Um, and then just get get uh, get surprised by that. And also, wh whether I'm having fun with a good deck or a bad deck um, and uh, 
I am always finding new situations. Like every time you play a game of Keyforge, even if it's a matchup you've played a few times before, yeah. you're you're probably going to end up in a situation where you have to think differently, uh, a situation you haven't seen before, and it's just so fresh. It's so fresh every time, even with even with a uh, a deck a deck you've already played a bunch. So yeah, um, me and Tom yeah. definitely experienced that playing. You'll we'll play three games exactly the same decks, but the order that the, the cards come out completely changes the game from the first time you know you never know exactly what you're going to get i guess that's part of the attraction yeah yeah for sure so it's it's an absolutely brilliant casual game as far as like you know coming out to a a hobby store every week and hanging out with the community and um, i think almost by accident as far as the the launch and original designers were concerned the, the crazy thing is this game also holds up at a higher competitive level and that is one of the many things I love about it. So, you know, if somebody just wants to come and hang out, play every week, Keyforge is amazing for that. They're going to get some wins. You know, if you want to memorize cards and kind of practice a deck and go travel to a tournament, not only is the not only is that going to be generally a fun experience competitively and hanging out with the team, the larger community is also generally quite great. And attending a vault tour, even if you're not like planning on trying to hit that top eight, the vault tour is the big um uh, the big tournaments they hold, and they'll be now announcing all of them outside of the the uh, the U.S. soon. Hopefully, uh, you can even go to a vault tour and just have an absolutely great time, have an absolutely great time with other people and and side events. So, um, yeah, that's my that's my keyforge pitch, at least to uh, people who are yeah. nerdy enough to be listening to the Your Lovely podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have um, thank you. I have uh, played collectible card games in the past: mm. Star Wars, the Vampire game. Cthulhu games and I would buy boosters and I'd open the boosters and I'd go well 90 not 100% of this is all trash that I don't need right I'll put it in my folder put it in a box put it in the wardrobe hide it away and I found I was just spending money and buying nothing yeah I, that, so that I found it very unattractive in a collectible card game that's what I hate it was like buying things that were almost worthless yeah and then the metas moved on so they become worthless as well in the future whereas with Keyforge yeah. you buy a deck that's it. And you can always, you just use that deck. There's no deck building. There's no buying. You can't go and buy the latest boosters. It's just the latest set comes out, which adds a new mechanism or something interesting into the game. I'm always amazed they find a new thing to add in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, the unique the unique deck model allows for such creativity and kinds of cards you could not have in a in a constructed game. Oh, for sure. In a constructed game, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think sort of how you described it there, though, very much I think sort of at least mirrors how I think how I've picked it up because I've never played physical collectible card games before mm. Keyforge because well, when I was younger, lots of my friends played Magic, and they're always destitute because they played Magic. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> get it, your kid into get your kid into Magic. They won't have money for drugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think also when you're like a miniature wargamer, trying to play a miniature wargamer and playing CCGs as well, it's just, you know, it's not going enough organs to sell. Um, but when Keyforge came along and Andy was telling me about it, it's like, you know, you buy a deck, that's it. They're all pretty much relatively of, on a par, so you can have a game with whatever you've got. So I have just like a big sack of random dross mm-hmm. decks and 
they're quite a lot of fun. And for a long time, Andy and I would just play and he would beat me every week, week in, week out, because <laughs> um, he actually knew what he was doing. But for having like, yeah, as you were saying, like finding those games, you know, you, you might take a like, technically there is the SAS rating for Dexes in there. So if you get into it a little bit nerdier, it gives you a, a rough power level idea of your deck to some degree. Um, right. And, yeah. Perfect. yeah, no, and I, I would recommend if you're getting into it, do do not look at SAS is a helpful tool for what it was designed for, which is uh, guesstimating what to test from a large collection. What it's not designed for is a new player to look at and say, ah, yes, I have a very strong deck or I have a very weak deck. Just just play your deck a couple times. Don't don't look at the number, even though it's very easily findable on on the website. Mm-hmm. Um but I will I will say something I did use SAS for uh, to great effect uh, involving um, involving the the my random my, my random draws all the the extra decks that I never would have played otherwise I did something for a while with a friend that um, I don't know maybe I could get back to one day with him uh, we would play on the unofficial online way to play and do something called the SAS climb where I would start with my lowest pl- my lowest rated SAS deck or my lowest rated deck by SAS and he would start with his lowest rated deck by SAS. And as soon as a deck, we would play each other, and as soon as uh, a deck loses twice, you move up to the next highest rated deck. And so we started with our absolute worst rated decks by SAS, which, uh, to be fair to SAS, were some very bad decks. (laughs) (laughs) And we had some of the most entertaining, fun games. A few slogs, of course. But honestly, the amount of fun we had because SAS helped us match up our bad decks in a way that was entertaining was was just absolutely a delight was absolutely a delight so um there is every every keyforge deck even if it looks like total junk <laughs> you actually can if you play like a sas climb or just some other or an or maybe an alphabet climb maybe you alphabetize them and you get you know yeah. lots of randomness that way like however you want to have a play experience with your keyforge decks like you you can you yeah. can and i would certainly say that um, the best in brackets uh, deck is not necessarily going to be your most fun deck. Yeah. Yes. Well, no, because at the moment we're playing something that we've uh, called the Keyforge Super League, where it's very intense sports competition going on at this Keyforge. It's like lots of sponsorships, lots of signing bonuses, <laughs> on contracts, uh, and that's technically like a load of like really high-rated, technically really good games. And some of them are just really boring slogs, and but some of them are amazing. But yeah, yeah. Like, in the past, we've played games of things like, yeah, something that's like a re- like a deck that's in the low forties, versus mm-hmm. that like a game is in the eight, like versus a deck that's in the eighties. Oh, that's right, yeah. And it's actually like a really fun game, and yeah, the, like the forties deck did actually take one game, like did forge the key, forged a key, and it was you know, mm-hmm. so I think. It was closer than it should have been. (laughs) Yeah, so I I think one of the great things is for it that I think if you buy a box or like a a set of decks, you're going to be able to have fun with them, whatever you've got. So it's not like you buy, I I don't think like new players should be worried if you buy half a dozen decks, the internal power balance of them are going to be so great that you're not going to be able to have fun playing with any of those five or six decks. Because I know like other, especially like online card games you might get a deck buy a deck from there and they're just not fun to play whereas i've had very little experience of keyforge decks but like as i think quite often when even when you get into like a slogging match 
in Keyforge. It's when you've just got like two decks which sort of counter each other perfectly, rather than just being a deck in and of its own that sort of doesn't necessarily do itself. Would you both agree with that? Yeah, if you get, I think if you get a, a, a control deck that slows the other one down, so all the key costs go up, and it's like getting rid of Amber, and you're like, oh my god, this has been an hour and a half of playing, normally like 20 minutes, and they've been playing for an hour and a half, and we finally got to the end. That okay. can, but, you know, that's one style of play, and you might really enjoy that. I'm not going to tell anyone <laughs> how they should play Keyforge. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, Keyforge decks are very, and th- this is actually, this actually, I, I think is a strong argument for Keyforge, competitive Keyforge being uh, accessible and something you can actually practice for with a smaller collection, that matchups in Keyforge are such a huge factor in who will win. Like that really strong, you know, if you open a really strong deck, uh, it might have bad matchups into decks that are otherwise mediocre, but that but that deck just happens to have a couple silver bullets or or is just has a small spread of cards that you don't usually see that are perhaps really good against it. I have a fantastic deck from Call of the Archons that is just absolute uh absolutely not very good against anything that puts a whole lot of creatures on the board. And this is like a crazy strong deck, crazy high rated, but it has a giant Achilles heel. And yeah. even if you just own, you know, a dozen, a few dozen decks or whatever and you're like, "Uh, oh, I don't know what I'm going to bring." like to this this tournament maybe it's like a bigger local tournament like if you sat down and looked at my list and and you've just been doing your research you don't have to buy more decks but if you've been doing your research and you know what your deck is good against you could go oh okay this next deck has some scary stuff but i actually know how to beat it i know what i need to save my cards for so not pilot skill and like knowledge of a matchup goes such a long way in keyforge yeah. and and i'm going to be i'm going to be tooting the horn on the new keyforge podcast i have um on one of the episodes close to launch saying like hey if you want to play competitively you can cuz i keeps hearing people say ah, i don't have a deck that would be good for you know that solo archon where you bring one on modified deck i don't have it i don't have it i'm like Okay, like maybe don't bet on winning, but like if you have a few dozen decks, you have something that if you know it inside and out and you know the other cards across the table, like you have something you could at least like get a winning record with, if not have a shot at like like top eight if you get like a little fortunate. And anybody needs to get a little fortunate to to make top eight, and they of course combine it with their skill. So you see some people up there regularly, but um yeah, it, it's a it's a beauty of Keyforge. There's no um, uh, another uh, prominent community member has often said uh, there's no S tier, you know, Keyforge deck. One that's just going to auto win against anything. There's no S tier Keyforge deck yet, which is a beautiful yeah. thing. Absolutely. I know we've seen uh, a deck recently. I can't remember its name now. I'm sure you Zach probably knows it. Uh, that recently sold like a double Volt Tour winning deck, and it sold for thousands yes. of pounds. That's right. Um, but even that is not unbeatable. That's right. Yes, yeah. um, Adam Inslang, uh, or Admiral Inslang, the Pink Fraud, sold for 3,600 uh, USD. USD, And yeah, it's a very good deck. It's a very good deck, but uh, that was... The, the funny thing is, for this episode where I'm trying to make a point, what I actually want to do is just uh, take one of my decks that's rated below 80 and, and, and I don't know if this will succeed for the point of this episode, but I want to find one of my decks that I love that's rated below 80 SAS and then, 
have a friend load the pink fraud that sold for $3,600 into the unofficial online way to play. And then I want to play it a handful of times. And if I can beat it once inside of like three to five games, I'm like, okay, great. Like, look, I beat, I beat the pink fraud, the most expensive deck in Keyforge currently. Um, You know, any, anything is possible. Anything is possible. I believe, I believe, I believe in you. I think you can do it. (laughs) And and believe me, I was I'm not naturally I'm not one of those those like I came, um, you know, I was born I was born out of the womb made of pure strategic steel and a cold <laughs> and a cold, a cold cutting mind with a perfectly tuned third eye. I I was I was as far as like rating myself goes, I was not good at Keyforge uh, before like the pandemic and, and lockdown. I drilled some Keyforge and played a ton of Keyforge and started to take notes and take my practice seriously and learn from my losses during the pandemic. And so like if I if I can be good at Keyforge, if I can uh, make top eight at Keyforge Celebration uh, like I did back in November and and take down um, uh, a real sweaty online event um, like I did uh, two months before that, uh, it uh, like anybody anybody can get to this level if if they enjoy you know practicing for a competition if that's something you enjoy and want to take seriously because you enjoy you know spending that time kind of time getting good at something like you you can get there if I can if I can anybody can I'm a theater kid I'm a theater kid <laughs> is it is it time for me to confess that when they were talking about Keyforge celebration they kept uh, breathing it to KFC. Yeah, <laughs> I actually thought they were playing in the back of a KFC. I was like, "Wow, yes. it doesn't sound very big." They're given, playing in a KFC. Given, given, given the f- at least four times our game has been so close to absolutely dying. You yeah, know, a- a- any of these four incidents I have in mind would have killed any any other game. Like playing in the back of a KFC is a perfectly valid assumption if you see that abbreviation. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's where Keyforge is at now." <laughs> what a weird Spy sponsor. KFC, to get. I guess that. I guess they're bigger when, than I thought in America. They must have huge KFCs. I wonder if that gets uh, gets the cards all greasy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you've, you've might got be it. the worst food to have. Maybe nachos yeah. would be worse, but a greasy chicken you eat with your fingers and playing cards. Buying a buying a, a ten piece bucket, get a free deck. <laughs> <laughs> it's AOA, but hey, I <laughs> think that thanks. <laughs> Maybe um, that it's like a perfect example of the of, of like actually the strength of it as a game because it's been like even while I've been playing it, it it's gone. I think it, it's t- probably technically been like a dead game twice. Yeah. That's sort of rewritten sure. and it's like it's back Refused and then it dies die. again and then it's it's back again and it's dead again and we're now coming back yeah. for, the, for this latest rebirth and I think I think that is. I assume it's it's got to be like a, a huge mark of its quality as an actual game that yeah. it maintains its popularity with when it disappears for years on end. Um, and I know it's obviously like been very badly affected by the pandemic and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. Worst timing. Yes, yes, and it was the the, the four things I have in mind because well, so first as far as the quality of the game, I think that the paradigm shift it introduced it had two paradigm shifts that had to work together for the game to be good. And Richard Garfield, of course, you know, um, was the man to introduce paradigm yeah. shifts like this. One was the locked in decks, right? People love that. People like me go, oh my gosh, like like um, I don't mind deck building, but I hate I hate having to net deck. Right. And so that that grabbed me and I think just grabbed the passion and loyalty of a whole lot of people right off the bat. 
and then marrying that with um, the house system instead of a resource system where um, I would never actually say Keyforge cards don't have a cost. Just every card has an opportunity cost that is very qualitative and and quickly reaches beyond the realm of mortals to fully calculate inside of, a, you know, inside of a game timer. Um, but uh, I think it, yeah, it grabbed people's loyalty there. It survived. Um, it survived uh, almost. Uh, almost died when um, Age of Ascension was under play tested, and it felt really bad for the general public. Um, you know, us Keyforge diehards stayed around, but the general public played called the Archons, then played Age of Ascension, and went, "Ugh, this is no fun." There was a 24-person launch event for Age of Ascension in my town. All those people completely evaporated. We have a we rebuilt a scene, of course, but those people completely evaporated even before COVID. Um, then, so Age of Ascension being totally underbaked, COVID hit. Um, there, uh, uh, then the owners, owners, owners company said, well, let's fire everybody at FFG so that it looks to sell. Look at how low our costs are because, you know, we fired half the people. Um, and then, um, uh, and then of course the algorithm, the algorithm being, being lost. Yeah. So between, between those four things, like any one of those things could have absolutely just, just killed the game. But the fact that ghost galaxy, Took a chance on it and said, "Well, let's run a let's run a camp game found campaign to see what the interest is." And then the interest was still there. Uh, is is pretty good. And the amount of people I see coming back into online spaces for it is encouraging. Encouraging that once it hits retail uh, in maybe a month and a half here in the U.S. and a little bit later everywhere else, uh, I'm I'm hoping that stores stores let Keyforge have that kind of retail trust again, where like they're like, "Wait, people will buy this," and then. They can make money off of it, and maybe maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle a second time. Maybe we can. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited for my decks to arrive. I yeah. backed, I backed yes. the, uh, Good. the... And it's... I'm watching people in America get their decks, and I know I'm going to be four to six weeks behind. That's the delivery time to the UK from America, from like it being sent out on a slow boat from uh from america yeah so have you have you got yours come free yet zach uh yeah i was um i was actually about to uh so uh my apologies to everybody of course listening to this but um i'm i'm on camera with the with the guys i have <gasps> all all of my winds of exchange decks are here on my desk and the gasp is i have just turned by camera to show them <laughs> all of them spread out this is what happens so we mentioned sas is of course attached to decks of mm-hmm. which aside from any thoughts i have about um the effect of SAS on the SAS core and new players, what that is in the most brilliant tool in the world for is um, organizing your collection and sorting your collection and looking at a lot of the basic stats that uh, the creator of Dex of Keyforge has put together, I think, relatively faithfully to how the game works. Absolutely brilliant tool, but um, it's not all online yet for Winds of Exchange. Yeah. So I'm sitting here with, I think, about 45 Winds of Exchange decks and I'm planning for the Philadelphia Vault Tour. I'm trying to decide whether I'll play Archon, you know, single unmodified deck, or whether I'll play Alliance, which is, uh, you know, the new deck building thing where you uh, take pods from three different decks and and stick them together and try to make something a little bit more on the degenerate side. So um, I am experimenting with Blorb Hive as far as Alliance goes because I opened two Blorb, two Blorb decks. Uh, for the uninitiated, it's... Um, it's an alternative ways to get your keys forged and uh, centers around a bit of a meme creature called a blorb. So 
uh, plays Keyforge a little differently, and it's very fun. But and we'll see. I'm, my favorite is House of Mars, so I'm very Excellent. excited. Mars mm-hmm. are best because Mars. What's that's, that's, love? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad somebody over there I'm glad somebody over there is carrying the banner for Mars, given my uh, my former co-host propensity to to dislike. <laughs> Dislike said house, but they're very good. They're very good in winds of exchange. It's actually it's tough to open a bad Mars house, and they have some really good synergies going on. I mean, traditionally, they were just ruining decks everywhere <laughs> by having the worst collection of cards. Yeah, yes. yeah, that was easy. Stars, for them great. <laughs> oh my gosh, I had one deck. I had one deck that could use that to its advantage, simply because it had a very effective Mars board, and I could I could play that to slow the opponent down but uh, it would have been more effective as another you know you click zookeeper or something like that <laughs> is is this time to mention I, I don't know if i should mention this or not because amber medes might be listening but i i got um, i got a genka deck in my second ever age of ascension deck that i opened <laughs> how about this genka thing oh i got one look at that <laughs> and i've watched him open box after box <laughs> box after box after box looking for that love Amphimedes recently humble, hit a thousand subs brag. on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I remember I remember people there was a um, Age of Ascension uh, Age of Ascension has often for your listeners often gone on sale in honestly various parts of the world because it was so overprinted and then undersold because it mm-hmm. was just not as fun to play for the general public. Now it is a connoisseur set. I will say that. It yeah. is a connoisseur set. Um there's a lot of fun things about it, but as far as the general public goes, people did not uh, get excited about it. So it's out there for cheap a lot. And some, some, there were a few sales in Canada where it was like maybe two or three dollars per case or for a display box, right? Per display box. Um, and I remember people who bought um, like 12 boxes, right? They bought a several hundred Age of Ascension decks and they would just have a picture and they were like, I just opened 144 Age of Ascension decks. No Genka. <laughs> no Genka. I was very, um, very jealous watching you Americans be able to buy mass mutation decks for a dollar. Mm. Over in the UK, oh we did gosh. not have that option. That was yep. not happening over here. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Gen- Genka being a, a a shorthand for a chase combo for oh, yes. for the Sorry. listeners. Yeah, a, a chase Mars combo that's a uh, very silly, very fun. Maybe a little overpowered, but it's a it's a fun one. I think it has its place. Tom enjoyed it when we played. <laughs> it's always great. Um, because nearly all of my Keyforge knowledge comes secondhand from Andy, because sure. um, I purposely, in a way, decided when we, we first started playing Keyforge that I didn't really want to know decks, in that sure. I, did, I didn't want to go down the rabbit hole of trying to buy certain decks and buy certain combos. So sure. if, I, if I just am happy with the random decks that I've got, it's, it stops me sort of chasing specific things. You know, oh, yeah. I'm not just going to keep buying box and box until I've got like a horseman deck. If I don't know what the horsemen are until they <laughs> kill me. Um, yeah, so they turn up. <laughs> and uh, I think it probably didn't do myself any favours because it meant Andy probably just got some easy wins for about 18 months till I actually learned how to play the game properly. <laughs> but I think it, it, it's one of those things I really like about the game. It's also like now you have all the various different sets. It's not like to be even on like a, a casually competitive basis. You have to have like the latest sets or the latest mm. decks that yeah. sort of like I think the only issue that Andy and I come up to when we're playing against each other is we is Dark Tidings decks, which mm. they don't seem to play very well against non decks that can muck about with the tide 
but it's just then like a, a one-sided mechanic we find. But right. I think, a, apart from that, I think almost like the sets are almost, at least at the level I play it, seem very much evergreen in that mm-hmm. old decks can still win against new decks, new decks can have fun against old decks. It's, it, it doesn't seem to necessarily be like a level of power creep that invalidates the old stuff. Um, and just going to my sack of random decks, chucking it at a couple of friends who never played the game before, you have a lot of fun. And you can have like a, you're not going to be at a tournament competitive level, but you can still have like a, mm. a, com- a competitive-ish fun game without necessarily knowing all the combos off of the top of your head. You can sort of like discover and learn how your deck plays by just playing that deck a lot, I think, which is again feeds back into what I think is one of the great things about it as a game. Yeah. And it's, I know going back to this Super League thing that we're playing, I think it's it's a very informative tool, I think, for Andy and I to actually lurking, working out what makes good get decks good and actually how mm. they sort of win and how sometimes you have a deck that can literally like have three keys forged within five minutes and you're right. sat there going, how does this work? I don't quite right. understand how this is so good. Or yeah. the flip side is you have a deck that looks amazing and just never seems to quite get over the line. <laughs> the engine doesn't kick in or something. I had, that, I had that just the other day. I was testing a Winds of Exchange deck with a friend. I, I, got, I had opened one. I said, I'm so excited about this. It has so many cool tricks. Uh, but my friend played this deck that was a perfect matchup against it. And my deck wanted to uh, use the new mechanic, token creatures, you know, yeah. uh, putting putting cards into play that are kind of all use this reference card. They're the same little creature. And it had all these cool, it had all these cool plays it could do with them. It had all these ways to protect its key creatures. Um, but my, my buddy just had a deck that um, might not even even looked as flashy, but just had us the small handful of tools that just kept it down the entire time. I played with it and lost like two or three times. I was like, well, I'll try that in another matchup. But this, this poor thing looked amazing on paper. It's got one of these special chase cards called an anomaly in it. That was actually oh, yeah. really good in the deck. And I was so excited. And I was like, okay, this is, it, it okay it has bad bad matchup it uh had, had no creature control and just it died to somebody keeping it down on the board for anybody who uh knows some keyforge jargon but <laughs> yeah I, I think certainly um you know every deck has it as its kryptonite out there that can be found oh yes somewhere in your deck collection there's another deck that will beat every other deck you just want mm-hmm. combination you draw them out in um and what order the the, the cards come out in yeah. Um, so I think thinking that we're talking about Windsor Exchange coming out, I mean, looking to the future, um, I think one of the, the biggest issues, certainly here in the UK, for getting into Keyforge now, is getting decks. Yeah. We talked about all the big sales. All those decks got bought up, and now you try to check on eBay, you know that it's so yeah. expensive to get a hold of cards. I can get German language ones, but I don't speak German, so it doesn't really help me very much. Right, um, and if, you, if you're starting, you don't have all the cards memorized by their art like I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that helps if you know exactly yeah. what it does. You have to bring like a translator with you to tell your opponent right. what, they, what they say. Yeah, that's an expensive um, hobby. <laughs> I mean, is that, is, that, is that been an issue over there in the States? Uh, not yet. We still have... Um, uh the retail as far as big online retailers most of the sets i think are still are still available at um the prices have normalized a bit except for age of ascension i mean i haven't seen a a display of age of ascension go for more than 
maybe forty five dollars. Yeah. When the old retail price in USD would be one hundred and twenty, right? Yeah. So that um, the, the there's always a good deal on those, and um, one of the newer formats, Sealed Alliance, where you open two or three decks and can put pods together from those two or three decks, mm-hmm. is actually a lovely. Um, uh, I said AO, AOA is the connoisseur said it is that is the connoisseur's way to play because you can you can avoid any of the just totally like non-functional stuff in Age of Ascension. Not that it's at literally non-functional the way Keyforge is designed. You can always move yourself forward, but um, a lot of the kind of junkier houses you can make something interesting yeah. and functional uh, uh, that way, and it's it's just a really inexpensive way to to enjoy it. I have been encouraging people. Now, of course, this is where it's available. And now that the production and, and distribution is, you know, based uh, in, in North America now, it is going to be a bit slower getting overseas. Um, but once it's available, I do encourage people, old players are new to like, uh, like, yeah, you can buy old sets. That's great. Um, but I'm encouraging people to like buy, buy the new sets when yeah. they're available because uh, one, the new set I think is is going to be a brilliant set for coming back because it's so fun, and even decks that like even the decks that I'm like okay this has a few clunker houses I'm not sure this deck is so good one it'll either surprise me because I was just no good at evaluating the dang thing, um, or two I still have a f- real fun time yeah. even if the deck is even if the deck is like not super strong every deck in this new set has all of those little tricks and like small to medium combos that make you go oh wait oh i could do this like i'm having that literally every game i play with good decks or bad decks where you go wait oh i could do this wait and then i could do that oh and then i oh i see like you're having that with every every game of winds of exchange so i think the parent company now the ca- company that owns it ghost galaxy did uh, they they told they told us it was about ten percent of the design was them. Um, I, I think I think that's probably by amount of changes they made. I think that ten percent probably accounts for, if I had to guess, thirty to fifty percent of how fun the set yeah. is. And um, yeah, it is it is a good set. It's a good set for coming back. Boards get a little big, but we had that earlier. And if your person's nerdy enough to be trying KeyForge with you, you can you can help them keep track of it, or or yeah. just laugh about how ridiculous the situation gets. <laughs> I think I think yeah. that's absolutely right. I think um, if I was going to be starting KeyForge, I would be waiting for this the new Windsor Exchange right. set to come out. Um, get excited! There's lots of content out there um, on YouTube. Yeah. Go watch it, and lots of great podcasts starting. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'll be Keyforge Public Radio. Uh, Keyforge Public Radio is going, going up in uh, in in early June. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, really, really excited to do that. There's a whole lot of other ones. My my, uh, I call them my sister podcast, Help from Future Self, has been. Uh, we'll just we'll hit episode 200 by the time you all are hearing this. And Amber Meadies on YouTube, like we mentioned, um, Andy Forge on YouTube is a favorite of mine. Um, I will, I will admit bias because in our little town where we get at least maybe four to six to sometimes eight people at our local store, we have two content creators, me and Andy Forge. <laughs> so we're a yeah. content creator heavy crew. Um, but yeah, there's there's content. There's a bunch of streamers as well. People streaming online leagues, and then uh, of course the the infamous. Uh, the infamous and uh, they are extremely victorious, but even more gracious than they are victorious. Uh, tabletop Royale. Yeah. Um, they are a great one to watch if you just want to like 
put content on and watch it or put it on in the background and just to absorb watching more Keyforge so that you're getting familiar with more combos, especially with Winds of Exchange. You're seeing more situations, seeing more combos, seeing smart players play it. Just put on some Tabletop Royale because, uh, and they're just enjoyable to watch. Oh, they're, they're good fun. They play so quickly as well. I'm like, what, what happened now? I'm rewinding it to watch what happens. Like, how have you read the right. cards so quickly? Right. <laughs> Yes, they they are in that category of of the the obsessive, uh, like like I am for sure. Um, what one thing with Keyforge that um, Tom was kind of getting at uh, in spirit, talking about the small handful or like handful of like six decks that you just play those and you just play what you've opened. Um, there's a number of people I I know who even want to be com, you know competitive to some degree or at least try their best in competition who uh, won't play decks that they didn't open themselves. I have a few secondhand decks that I bought because I knew they would be fun, and then I was right, thank goodness. Um, but I have some friends who will only play decks they've opened themselves because of that magic of, this is my deck. It's unique. There's no other deck like it, right? That's something the the algorithm, the computer, the set of computer programs does when it generates it. No two decks are, are the same. And so they're like, this is mine. This is unique. This is special. And that's worth, to me, that's worth like preserving that relationship just with this like one deck and and knowing it inside and out something i've something i've heard a lot of people say in keyforge over the years and i i repeat it often is that keyforge is the best Yu-Gi-Oh card game because each deck is is the closest thing i've ever experienced in in like especially a card game where there's competition it's the closest thing i've ever experienced to like like this deck is like my my talisman this deck like yeah. has a unique legacy i have a unique bond with this set of cards because it's unique and there's nothing else like it. There's a couple of decks like that just because I uh, like the the way they play is super unique and some of those are strong and they're unique or they have great matchups and so I'm I, su- I get super excited to play those. Then there's also just the unique names. Um, sometimes there's a number of decks I have I have a very close connection to because of the uh, unique name and and something and something that means to me uniquely. So. There's there's a lot of value in that, both in like you know whether whether you're just playing to enjoy some good time with 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 Keyforge and, and learn a few decks, or you, you're going to go to competition. Um, that magic is something everybody everybody can enjoy about I it. Mean, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and the, the magic of the deck names, which are all sort of like algorithmically generated, is, is never right. to be underestimated. Or and I don't know how your look works out but i know with mine the more perfect the name is in fitting with me the worse the deck actually is but then it's <laughs> it's always like that is such a good named deck i'm going to keep playing with it anyway it's going to be my regular yep. rotation just yep. for the joy of the name even though it probably and loses most of the time but it's just a fun deck to play that's right and then you have an affinity for that deck and it's fun to play even if you're losing and that's that's already multiple wins right there you have that affinity yeah. for it and it's fun even if you're losing. Which, side note, as somebody being into general Keyforge coaching, not like being paid to one-on-one, but like if you want to practice with a deck, pick a deck you have fun with even when you lose with it. And then you'll be able to actually dedicate yourself to that practice. Side note. <laughs> like, yeah. And my favorite, my favorite deck to play with is not the one that wins. Fizzy Jester. Mm. 
as part of the name. A long name, but <laughs> fizzy dress. Right. There's always that shorter, the shorter version, yeah. Um, and it's just so much fun to play with. I just enjoy playing with it. It's like if I'm going to go grab any deck, I just grab that one because it's got lots of like mm-hmm. wild wormholes where you play a card and Amazing. what's coming next. And it's got a couple of effervescent principles in that might just wipe out my own. <laughs> I mean, what's the fun of having a wild wormhole that plays a random card if it's always going to be a good card? I mean, right. you have right. to have that like risk reward. What's going to happen? Of course, of course. Yeah, speaking speaking to that magic, the aforementioned Tabletop Royale. Um, uh, so during the pandemic, they had already each won a vault tour, those aforementioned kind of large yeah. competitions. And uh, so Nathan, one of the two, had won a sealed vault tour with Confage, mm-hmm. Lady General of the Keep. That was vault tour Richmond on the East Coast here and opened that deck and won with it. And it's a very, very good deck. Nathan has a lot of a lot of good experience with it. And that became Nathan's signature deck. Yeah. The other gentleman, Justin, opened at some point with uh, when Worlds Collide, the third set hit, opened Light Tasker, Market Sheriff, and then um, went to, uh, I believe, the Vault Tour at uh, PAX in uh, the uh, Pennsylvania region here in the U.S. Um, and had no expectations of doing really well, but then won the Vault Tour with Light Tasker, Market Sheriff. And during the pandemic, the community, organized by a couple of lovely people, uh, pooled together some money and got uh, the person who is now the art director at FFG, Steve Hamilton, a.k.a. Balance Sheet, commissioned um, art of these two guys and then the the algorithmically generated Archon art uh, behind them and then them standing in front of it, all done by this professional artist. They got that art uh, commissioned and now these two these two keyforge players who are very good have their have their signature decks and the art generator for their signature <laughs> decks immortalized with their own likenesses and it's Fantastic. it was it's just the ultimate you know keyforge is special the decks are unique the relationships are unique yeah. kind of kind of community move which was fun Fantastic. yeah what apart from being fun what do you look for what makes a good as uh, a good cuz big question apart from being fun <laughs> Being fun. You're you're speaking oh. to Sweaty Zach now. Let me let me go oh, get him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's getting serious now. Money's on the table. Right. Uh, <laughs> literally, literally with the vault tours, literally. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, they've announced them in America. But, That's right. Um, um, I'm hoping there'll be one coming to the UK, but preferably London if anyone's listening. Right. because uh, I live here. Um because right. I would like to go. To, I don't expect to, to win. I probably find out I'm playing the game wrong, you know, but it would be good just to go. An experience playing Keyforge. Oh yeah, no. Um, just try my luck. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But um, so, uh, what, what's a good deck, in your opinion? Because everyone's opinion is different. So knowledge is the scarcest resource. So uh, what makes a good deck is one that you know really well. Um, you will do better. So say you have a deck that someone you trust has told you that is an absolute baller deck, but here's the thing, you haven't played with it once, and the tournament's in an hour, and you have an absolutely baller deck that looks a little complicated, you haven't played it once, and then you have a deck that you know is pretty good, you know, you've won the locals with it a few times, and you've played this deck, you know it's you've got triple-digit plays, you've played it against all the published sets, um, the one that's going to do better is that deck you know, as far as what you will have more success with um so uh, that that is my that is my number one factor um apart from that um uh a deck having 
a deck that has a consistent game plan is going to be probably a pretty good deck, especially when that game plan is made up of a whole bunch of different uh, quality cards that uh, have combos that are a bit easier to to pull off and um, and it can it can get there it can get there quickly. So looking for a deck, and half the time you can only find this out really by playing the deck. Uh, a deck that actually has some outs, some victory conditions, some some plays that really advance it towards three keys uh, relatively quickly. Uh, finding decks that can do that well, and then playing the deck enough to to listen to it and figure out what that game plan is, and then start piloting, start piloting the deck towards with that game plan in mind more and more often. Um, uh, as far as just generally speaking, if you're looking for a deck to to practice. Um, you will want that's maybe a little bit more middle of the road instead of um, like leaning towards one archetype or another. Um, you'll probably want a deck that's uh, between, and this is just a guesstimate to like get you started. If you just want to pick something to practice, you want um, uh, one to three board wipes, something to just wipe up the creatures on the opponent's side if they're totally crushing you and getting a hind behind. Uh, you'll want between really like 14 to maybe 20 something uh, creatures to make sure you can have have a board presence um, and uh, then you want uh, aside aside from that um, anything that gives you some consistency in the deck whether a little bit of extra draw or a little bit of archiving which is a, a, a speed mechanic in keyforge um, Anything, anything to give you that. Any creatures that also have play effects, so like when they hit the table, they're useful instead of having to to wait a turn for them. Um, any anything that's a good combination of those is is a good place to start because a board a board wipe will keep you from getting totally run over. Uh, some some good creatures that that synergize well together will will let you push the advantage if your opponent isn't taking out your board. Um, and then if you have uh, the great thing is if you have some tricks that are kind of unique to your deck, like they're not common elsewhere. People are not going to be prepared for that. Maybe an experienced player will be able to tell what that trick is, but maybe they haven't practiced against it before. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if you're if you're looking for just kind of a, a toolbox deck, but there's there's so many things. Uh, but the deck the deck harmonizing with itself and and having a game plan where the deck does thing one and then the de- deck does thing two and those things build on each other. And yeah. just create create momentum for you, which is very general. I'd really have to go into specific sets, <laughs> to, <laughs> you know, to to start describing um, uh, to start describing exactly what that means. That. But <laughs> maybe, maybe listen to Zach's podcast, like to hear more right. of that kind of content. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah, I'll definitely be diving into individual. Uh, we'll probably do into like house overviews for Winds of Exchange at some point, because um, that's one that content always does. Uh, well and two that gets me seven easily planable episodes <laughs> it's all about the content you gotta, you gotta feed the that's content right. monster that's right Absolutely. that's right in myself and in my audience <laughs> exactly i have yeah. to say like that definitely board wipes the number of times i've been playing tom and if i could just yeah. remove all those creatures that have captured that's all right. my amber i'd have enough to forge three keys that's right. i just can't get that amber back off off you can i tom I like playing control, and you, uh, so it's because uh, although I don't play that much Keyforge, I play uh, for my many sins. Play a lot of Hearthstone. Um, sure. Uh, so I, I sort of almost think of when I'm looking playing Keyforge decks. I often sort of think of them in that like archetypes 
coming from like control face speed decks all that sort of thing and it just yeah I, I, it's just how i tend to play and it yeah how yeah. things like board wipes and we have definitely you no know, i think you said earlier on about how like boards can get wider and wider playing the the super league with some of the the, the latest sets where we uh, we end up we sort of playing on pub tables and we're sort of running out of room with like right. boards which are like <laughs> two feet wide i will reprogram yeah. everyone <laughs> right right be 32 yeah. amber this term when you can, yeah yeah. Keyforge, Keyforge certainly has its uh, its own versions of all the you know the popular uh, the the archetypes right control uh, control um, I think the the decks I was describing like you want one to two war vibes you want this that would you know you could easily call that you know just mid range or what I say is toolbox uh, in in Keyforge is is what I've landed on um, there's also rush which is like uh, just making the amber as fast as possible, which some decks are trying to set up their combos or just slow the opponent down and they have a good even pace to get to their thing. Rush just wants to get there as fast as possible and almost sometimes doesn't care what the opponent's doing. Um, but yeah, all sorts of fun stuff. All sorts of fun stuff. Yeah, I've got, um, was it Flitterbuff Delegate of Sincerity and it's got about 26 printed amber on the cards. Wow. And so it's like... I'm just going to play cards. Look at that amber coming in. Also has mm-hmm. loads of drawing as well, doesn't it? So you've it's got the Witch of the Eye, the one that lets you go back and choose one. Yes. And it's got, it's got Fertility Charm. Is that the one? So I just like, yes, well, I'll play right. that. I'll use the Witch to Reef. I'll get it back. I'll play it again. So that's eight yep. amber for me, please. Yep, Which, yep. Uh, nine and nine with are, the Reap, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, nine. So that's a pretty good place to be for one turn. Nine amber from like two cards. That is, that is a very good place. Well, I think thank you very much for joining us this morning, Zach. Uh, been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Really looking forward to your new show. When I know you said it's coming live in a few weeks. Where can people find it? Yeah, well, to uh, listen to Keyforge Public Radio um, starting starting June seventh, you can just type in Keyforge Public Radio into uh, any any podcast distributor it should be there uh, also check out keyforgepublicradio.com i have a website for it where you can find it on your platform there um, there's also things like merch uh the the patreon um and there's a blog for things that are better uh, in written form um i am most personally active on on twitter as long as it still stands um, i'm zach underscore leg week on there my last name is armstrong and uh, so bit of a bit of a pun there. So I'm most active on Twitter, uh, but if you end up in any Keyforge discords uh, or or elsewhere, you'll probably find me as as uh, Zach. And then of course the the podcast on on all those platforms, and the podcast is on all the socials too. So if you have one that you prefer, oh, except for I'm not really active on TikTok yet, but <laughs> if you're active uh, anywhere not else, yet. you can you can find me. <laughs> uh, perhaps perhaps I'm I'm practicing uh, I'm practicing some some content processes and I'm uh, for... practicing some dance routines. <laughs> not, not quite, not quite. But uh, I'm gonna try to figure out a setup where I can easily record uh, some just fun videos on my phone and then post those across things. So if if I if I get that locked down once I have a rhythm for the the audio, uh, then then the the TikTok uh, shall appear. But not now. <laughs> Zach, thank you so much for coming on. I think you are a fantastic ambassador for KeyForge. So I'm, I'm mm. very thank you for so much. Very privileged to have you here on the show this day. So thank you so much coming on we will definitely let you know which deck wins our super league 
Yes, please do. Please do. <laughs> and this thank is you both. Average debt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you both so much for uh, inviting me on. This was this was lovely. Happy to to uh, just um, express my obsession about KeyForge uh, with both of you, and then uh, to your to your lovely audience. And uh, yeah, and congrats on having a podcast that has has lived so long as as your has. That is an accomplishment within itself. Thank you very much. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> Pleasure is all ours. <laughs>